Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, The Why of the Music Biz. And on this episode, this is our second episode of our music marketing series. We've got Logan Crockett returning to the show, co-hosting this one. And I love this show because it was with Sarah Reeves, who's one of my favorite artists right now. I think you mentioned that you're loving her stuff too. Yeah. And I've been following her stuff on YouTube and her latest single. And yeah, I mean, she's doing some amazing work right now. So it was really cool to get her in the studio and and talk with her about what's going on with her career, especially as it relates to YouTube, because we've gotten a lot of people come in here through our academy or even just people who end up around our studio and their YouTube is a common thing to talk about because of course we have a bit of a YouTube strategy going on that we're really trying to develop, but we really haven't arrived in any way yet. Yeah, totally. And I learned a ton from this episode. This was a great conversation. And to be honest, if when I was starting out as an artist, I wish this is info, this interview was a conversation I would have been able to hear because we also got to have her manager in studio, which was also her husband, Mm -hmm. not was, is also her husband. (laughs) Currently. Currently her husband and hopefully for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Anyway, he is her manager (laughs) and um, together they've kind of executed this incredible YouTube strategy and it started really out of necessity. Mm -hmm. They were financially kind of at rock bottom really had nowhere to go but up, which is often the best place to start learning anything from. So we had a great conversation with them, some great questions. And if you're an artist out there listening, this is stuff that you have to know. If you're wanting to work behind the scenes in music marketing, this is stuff you have to know. Sarah mentioned how a lot of this YouTube stuff actually opened up opportunities for her as a songwriter. So We'll jump right into this interview. I don't want to delay us any longer, but before we do that, just a quick announcement. We're really excited about this marketing series that we've been doing. This is the first kind of series of four podcasts that we've all kind of grouped together. And we're really excited. One episode from this episode, so not this one, but the next one, is going to be kind of the culmination of this whole series where we talk about how you can really really make money with what you're doing as a musician. And there's going to be tons and tons of free resources that we're going to make available to you at that point. So make sure that you stay tuned for what is coming up with that. That'll be the whole culmination of this whole thing. But for now, we want to jump in and talk about everything that we can do with YouTube. So let's jump back into the studio where me and Logan are live in the house with Sarah Reeves and her husband, Philip. All right, we are here live in Full Circle Music Studios on the Full Circle Music Show with Sarah Reeves. Hello. And her husband, Philip Kothlow. Yes. Not Reeves. Not Reeves. I did find that out the hard (laughs) way. We've also got Logan Crockett with us, who is a somewhat newer face. Not the very first time he's been on the show, but this is part of our music marketing series. And the reason why I wanted to have you on is because we went on a flight together to Chicago, which... I found out, I'm just going to let your secret out <laughs> to the world, but apparently you're scared of flying. Yes. And you let I'm us terrified. know. Like you said, did you, did you sit in between us? No, I, I sat the window. I have to sit by the window because I need to know if we hit turbulence, what, how severe, if we're in clouds, if it's raining. So I always sit okay. by the window. You need to have control I, yeah, of the I need window to have control. Shade. I don't need to sit next to someone who's like, oh, close the shade. I'm just okay. going to sleep. So I sat down and then you board and you're like, hey man, can I sit here? And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and then I was trying to play it so cool. And then. I was like, hey, I 
I'm going to have to let you know that you're going to see a side of me that uh, only my wife has seen. So. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if we were annoying you because I was with X and we were flying out to a CMB showcase for Matt Hammett. And we just honestly picked your brand the entire time on business and marketing and YouTube because you guys did this thing independent a lot even before being signed to a label or I guess being in between labels. Yeah. Maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, why did you do that? Like, why was YouTube even a thing that you decided to jump straight first into? It was more, so a probably backstory, Sarah was signed with Sparrow and did two EPs and just, it was a weird time in the industry and things didn't pan out how you hope sometimes. And, you know, she has, she's a mega talent and she has an ability. And so everyone thinks, oh, I have to have a label. I have to have all these people to do anything. And I think it's anything in life, not even in the music industry. You think I can't start until this happens and it's not, Hey, this is all I have. I'm going to do with what I have and make it work. And so for us, she left the label and I was like, yo, if you're not going to do the music thing, you got to get a job. We just got married. She starts working at a daycare. I'm an electrician. But it's like, you hate to see someone talented. It'd be like Michael Jordan leaving the Bulls and just going and working at Starbucks. And you're like... And going and playing golf or baseball, you mean? Yeah, or that. <laughs> just like, well, it wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, similar. I mean, so you just look at... And not to call my wife Michael Jordan, but I she's Michael Jordan to me. You're Michael Jordan? Thanks, You babe. just got called Michael Jordan? <laughs> but we had friends, specifically a group called Us The Duo that used to intern for Ed Cash. And... I watched him over the years just because he's mega talent as well. And I started doing this YouTube thing and they just got creative. And I called him one day and I just said, Hey man, like, tell me what you're doing. And he said, he said, honestly, I just lay in bed or I sit around and I try to think of things that no one else is doing. And I try to be the first to do it. And that was his approach in music. So and this, and this was Ed. No, this is Mike from us, the duo. Okay. okay so, gotcha. And we were talking and that like registered inside of me. And so we just started talking about, you know, you get in those life conversations with your wife and you're like, where do we want to go? Where do we want to end up? How are we going to do this thing? What does it look like? And so honestly for us, YouTube was just like, well, you're really talented. Mainstream, there was a big time where cover artistry was a big deal and, and there was a whole tactic behind it. And I just said, look, Obviously, there's a way people are making money and making a living at it. So no one's doing it in the Christian space. Let's just do it. And so I would call these people and ask questions of people that I knew were doing it. And no one had answers. And so it's kind of just like, hey, you're really talented. Let's, I think we called my mom and asked to borrow some money to buy a camera and buy Pro Tools and get all like the bare necessities to do it. And honestly, we didn't really know what we were doing. There was no like okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with YouTube. We're going to build a following. Then we're going to go get a label. Then we're going to blah, 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 blah. It was just like, hey, you're really talented. The world needs to hear it. There's a platform called YouTube. Let's just do with what we have and see what happens. So that's kind of where it started. It's a very long answer, but. So on a musical level, you said you actually purchased Pro Tools at this time. Yes. So, so that means like with this YouTube stuff, this was kind of the first time that you were even doing production. Kind of. I used to, so I play piano, so I did Logic, and I interned. Well, I don't know if I interned or worked for Ed. I did work for Ed Cash as a assistant. So I was kind of around, I wanted to be a producer, so I knew enough to get around uh, Pro Tools or Logic to be dangerous. But it wasn't like, hey, pay me 10 grand, I'm going to produce <laughs> a record for you. You know what I mean? It was just like, I know how to hit record, and 
you know, there's enough people in this town you can ask questions. So, um. and you taught me Pro Tools as well, and so yes, I would go in and just like try to make cool tracks, and but with our YouTube stuff, it's mainly just piano and vocals. And so I learned the basics of it and then I would go in and just kind of edit everything. And that's kind of how we did it. So, so, well, let me just ask you this. Cause I mean, you've been on kind of a crazy journey being mm-hmm. signed to a label, being off a label, being signed to another label. What was that like for you in that meantime of just, you know, having to learn these like new skill sets and figure out this YouTube thing. I mean, like, what was going through your head when all of this stuff, like, were you frustrated with your situation? I'm trying to go back. It feels like a different life some days. But, yeah, I think I was, I knew there was something in me. It's always been there my whole life. Like, I've always known that I want to be in music. I want to be an artist. I want to be in, you know, just the creating process. And so there was never any question of, like, oh, I'm done as an artist, you know, like even when I left my label, I went searching and trying to find other labels that would want to partner with me and nothing broke through. And so we found the things that were in front of us and we just, we used it to the best of our abilities and we were faithful with the little things. And I mean, even I was working at a preschool, like you said, he was an electrician and we were working full time and we were still just like not giving up, you know, like we always had this one goal in mind and we weren't just going to settle with our day jobs that we hated, you know? And so there came a moment where we decided to just take a leap of faith and to step out and to kind of do music full time and force leap of faith. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it was scary, but we just knew that there was something greater. There was something bigger out there for both of us. And we wanted to do it together. You know, like he always saw himself working with his wife and I always saw myself working with my husband. And so we were like, what are we doing? Like we never see each other during the day. And so let's just do this thing, you know, with what we have. And we just built from the ground up. I think we said we had enough money in our bank account to make it a month. And we were just like, insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm expecting a different result. And I was like, Love that. we're literally insane right now because we're not doing anything different. I was like, yeah, we're young. We have enough money to make it a couple months. We can find other jobs, like a day job's a day job's a day job. So we just said, hey, let's give it two months and see what happens. And so asked my mom for some money. Still haven't paid her back. Thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> mom, if you're watching this, <laughs> you can send the check too. <laughs> and I just told Sarah, I was like, hey, I think this is how it works. From what I've seen, music drops on Tuesday at the time. It dropped on Tuesday, not on Friday. And I was like, on Monday night at midnight, see what's hot. And we'll immediately go in and track it. Because back then the game was kind of like, you wanted to be the first step, at least in mainstream like if Katy perry dropped a single you'd want to be the first up which is how youtube works and so so you'd wait till this is fascinating you wait till monday at midnight yeah see what came out yeah and then just see you see how people respond because naturally like at midnight like if 10 songs come up there's always going to be the one that rises to the top and so the deal with youtube is you want what people are searching for Mm. so which in christian music it's a little different because you have the ability you could do an amazing grace, which is not a new song, but there could be people out there searching for amazing grace. And mm-hmm. so I was like, Hey Sarah, just look for a song. This was before we didn't get up a minute. I was just like, Hey, find a song that registers with you and 
let's just do it. And she picks a gospel song. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a Tamla Man song. I've never heard it. It's an amazing song. And it's... And was that Take Me to the King? Yeah. yeah. Very first video. <laughs> Amazing I, song. And so. I learned the piano part from another YouTube like video <laughs> that they were just playing. And so I just like watched it and just learned it. And that was the first cover that I ever did. And I just saw the response from that. And I was like, whoa, this actually works. <laughs> and was that one of those where you used that strategy? Like, hey, she dropped this thing at midnight. And then you're like, no, that song had actually so. been out for a while. And no, originally there was no strategy. It was just like, hey, find a song you like. Because no one was doing it in Christian music. And so it was just like, hey, find a song. She's like, I like this song because she loves gospel music and grew up on it. And so that was her bend to go gospel. And it has paid dividends. So when we started YouTube, it was like, hey, we're going to do high quality videos, which everyone has their own opinions. But it's like, let's record the audio real, put minimal editing on it. And shoot the videos where they at least look visually, you know, where it's not just iPhone one shot or a bedroom. So like we have a spare bedroom in our house and it used to be a guest room and no one came to see us. So we took everything out. (laughs) Not a lot of guests. (laughs) Not a lot of guests. (laughs) You think when you get married, you're like, man, we're going to have a guest bedroom. And then six months goes by and you're like, why do we have a guest bedroom? So (laughs) same thing with the dining room. Yeah, Yeah, literally. No. So we had it literally when I bought my house, we did, that's when accent walls were cool. And so wait, accent, like like the whole room being one color. And then there's like one bright popper color. Okay. So in this room, it was like aqua blue, which you can go find the take me to the king video and see it. (laughs) So as we were doing videos, it like, Evolved because we did one blue wall and we're like, oh, we hate that wall the way it looks. So we would go by paint and then we painted it like cream and put shelves and candles on and then did pallet wood and took the pallet wood off and then ship lap and it's kind of evolved across. So it was like in between videos, you would change <laughs> wall backgrounds essentially? No, we had a consistent, I think. Once we, we got to the pallet wood, it was consistent yeah. until Philip the pallet wood happened. Philip went. And he collected pallet wood from like just sitting next to dumpsters or whatever. And we just collected them. And then he built, he could basically build a house from the ground up. He's worked almost every trade. And so he built me a backdrop, like a back pallet wood wall. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and so that what, was my background. I mean, quality wise, <laughs> what were these things like? I mean, are you talking like a DSLR or like, yeah, so we bought how a DSLR. are you actually making the videos? Yeah. So we bought a DSLR. We bought just a, T4i and like, those are not crazy expensive, right? No, they're like 400 bucks. Dollars. Yeah, maybe 400 bucks. And it doesn't even shoot in like full screen. It shoots cropped and bought a semi nice lens, like two lenses. We had a wide angle because the room was literally only 10 by 10. It's funny because people think we have a full on like video space because we maneuvered the camera around the room so we made video it took a couple weeks because we didn't really know what we were doing and we put it out and i think in the first day we got 24 hours we got like 2000 plus views and it was like okay let's figure out another one and at the time the second song was actually oceans and it was before oceans was even a song and everyone's like you're crazy i mean people were making commentary and we're like oh we're gonna do it it seems like all right song we did it and then oceans became oceans so i think our goal when we first started was like a video a month maybe just because we didn't know what we we're doing i'm trying to learn pro tools i don't even know video software honestly i bought a trial of final cut pro and watched video tutorials on how to even use final cut pro and so then put oceans out and same thing is like 
two to 3,000 views in 24 hours, which some people is not a lot, but when you have 400 followers on YouTube, you're like, okay, there's 1,600 other people watching my videos or how are the people watching my videos? And so then it was like, okay, we're going to commit to one video a week, which is crazy amount of work on top of full-time jobs. Do we have full-time jobs? Oh, we so didn't have full-time this was like job. you when you would quit and you were living yeah. off of mom money, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> we were living off savings. Savings, okay. <laughs> and every random few gigs that would call in between. And so we just were like, all right, we're going to do this because my friends obviously were making money. No one gave us any, like, I am not afraid to ask anyone anything. I mean, I would probably go up to Donald Trump and ask him for a dinner, you know, like all I can do is say, no, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I'm not intimidated to, to talk to people. So I would call my friends or dinner. I'm like, Hey man, tell me, leave voicemails, no callback, leave voicemails, no callbacks. I'm like, all right, well, we're on our own. So honestly, there was no strategy other than I just looked what other people were doing. And so my friends would on Tuesday drop their videos and then they would buy the, mechanical license to be able to then sell the song on iTunes. So you guys would take the audio that you recorded, upload it to what, TuneCore? Yep, through TuneCore. And make a cheap little graphic. <laughs> yep. So and that was probably like just your face with like text and yeah. Sarah Reeves take me and to the And he took all my pictures too. We literally did everything. <laughs> we yep. did we edited the videos. We had Photoshop. We edited the photos. He did all my photography stuff. Shot the videos. We did the recording. We shot the just the two of us. No and what else. a way to learn it, though. I mean, that's we, yeah, we talk a lot. a lot. Yeah, because at some point, the goal for everybody is always to get to where you have a team and yeah. you can just raise your hand and say, I need an intern. <laughs> exactly. And that's where you eventually get to. But in the beginning, I think it's so good to learn all of those things. Like yeah. the fact that you know how to use Pro Tools gives you an advantage on probably, I don't know, 80% of other artists just that you can speak the language and say, hey, yeah. can you add another track or nudge that thing to the right a little bit like mm -hmm. that gives you such a leg up on in the production process and probably has a lot to do with you've got a new song out it's called nowhere right yeah and i love it it's, Thank you. it's been one of my favorite songs in the past honestly probably five years what and thank you I, so much i'm honestly a little low-key obsessed with it yeah we're, <laughs> oh we're both goodness. obsessed we're like fanboy kind. thank yeah. you so much that means a lot yeah and i know a lot guys. of that you know robert marvin's produced crazy talented but mm -hmm. i'm sure a lot of that also has to do with you as an artist just knowing hey like these are some sounds that i'm into and these are like so just to backtrack all the way to you guys doing your own photography and video and production and everything now you actually know how to interact with a photographer mm -hmm. and with a video yep. producer, which I would assume at this point, you're probably working with some other people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or are you not? I don't know. We are. <laughs> no, I mean, we tried to get it all off our plate and just me manage her, be the artist and enable our team to do what they're good at. But as I was saying, kind of when we started is our mentality in 2013, when we started YouTube was just like, instead of, sitting around moping going, well, no labels knocking on our door. Oh man, this is what life's thrown us. It was just like, okay, you can sing. I can figure anything out because how I was raised. So let's just see what happens. And it wasn't like, there was no marketing. There was no strategy. There was literally just, hey, if no one's calling for us to go sing to 10,000 people, there's 6 billion people on the internet. So someone can find us. So let's just see what happens. Yeah. If I hear this correct, you quit your jobs and you basically gave it two months to kind of figure out 
a new plan and make sure all this could work. So it sounds like YouTube was working well for you. You got a few thousand views on some of the initial videos that you guys did. But I assume that even with a few thousand views, that wasn't like raking in finances for you. Right. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you guys were doing a little bit on TuneCore, and yeah. I hope mm-hmm. that that brought in some finances. But was yeah. there a whole other piece of this puzzle that made the finances? Because it sounds like you guys didn't go back to full-time jobs. No. 2013, we ate a lot of grilled cheeses, a lot of tomato soup, <laughs> a lot of spaghetti. <laughs> no, we, but what happened was... I was going into that, but uh, <laughs> you can, you can get it. It's so cute, finishing each we other's We just had sentences. really good budgeting <laughs> skills. So as I started uploading YouTube videos, we would randomly just get like emails and phone calls from churches and conferences, people just saying, Hey, we saw you on YouTube. We would love to have you at our church or our camp or whatever it was. So and these YouTube videos actually led to gigs. They did. And, so and that, to being on Kirk Franklin's album. So, which is yes, another story. A lot how of did, opportunities how did came. that happen? So Kirk Franklin's son, I guess. I think he was like 13 at the time. Yeah. We played a, a thing called Camp Electric in Nashville and Kirk's son just happened to be there and he went home and this is a long story short, but he was kind of watching some of my YouTube videos and Kirk actually had written this worship song that he wrote for, you know, he has a lot of featured vocalists on his albums, but he heard this specific voice for this song and he just didn't know who it was. He didn't know like, you know, who to call, who had this, he described it as like a sweet like pure sound and so his son was just like sitting on the couch one day and just like watching my youtube videos and he's like hey dad have you ever heard of sarah reeves and kirk was like no and he sat down and they watched some of my videos together and kirk was like this is the voice this is the voice that i hear for this song and and so he immediately his team just contacted me and flew me out to dallas like two weeks we actually later thought it was a scam when we got the <laughs> yeah. email i was we like is this real skeptical. i can imagine that yeah <laughs> it, was, it came through youtube it was like hey i'm kirk franklin's manager can you fly to dallas next week and be featured on his album we're like we were on vacation in Florida yeah. and we're just like <laughs> And Kirk I mean me Franklin's- being a gospel fan, like I was like I used to I mean, I'd still love Kirk Franklin, oh, but yeah. as a little girl I was like I knew all of his songs, I would make up dances to his music. <laughs> <That's> like <amazing. laughs> So, so you guys didn't have like a business email to even contact you guys. You, everything, if someone wanted to contact you, contact they just had to go straight through YouTube. No, I think we bought a business email because we made our own website and everything. So yeah. we went to Squarespace and built our own website. And then so there was a little contact. I guess form. Google, you could pay like five bucks a month for an email attached to your website. So we had like info at Sarah Reeves and they emailed us through that. But we would get random emails all the time that were like scams like, hey, I'm from Africa and I'm an artist. And no offense if you're from Africa and you're an artist, but it would be like, hey, let's collab. And then you would go try to chase it down. Or And then once you kind of get into YouTube, there's businesses that contact you. They're like, hey, we can help elevate your channel. Let's do a call. And it's just like, you never know what's real and what's not so it was just like this email comes through and you get them all the time you're just like okay well let's respond and it's like yeah we'll we'll figure out the details and then like next thing you know you're in dallas the next week with kirk franklin so that's incredible because i mean didn't kirk franklin write take me to the king yeah he did (laughs) full circle i wonder if that was even part of it yeah no pun intended (laughs) i wonder if that was part of the thing even because I'm not sure he's like sitting searching his songs that he's written on YouTube. Yeah, I don't know Oceans what song. Was, the song. was it Oceans? It was Oceans. Yeah. I do remember that from when he was told the story. His son played him Oceans. 
that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that I mean, it just shows the power of this stuff actually works on mm-hmm. some level because you're getting yeah. gigs off of it. You're yeah. getting calls from major gospel artists. Yes. I mean, that's crazy. Like, so, it's all God. I mean, yeah. I mean, I always tell people when they have YouTube questions, I'm just like. Everyone looks down on YouTube. They're like, oh, I don't want to be a YouTube. I want to have a record deal. I want to be on tour with the big named artists. And I'm like, you don't actually know who's watching a video. And say your friend shares a video and that friend is friends with a mega human and that mega human happens to hit play on a video or happens to hear your voice when autoplay happens on Facebook. Like you don't know when you put something out into the world, you don't know who can see it. And so, I mean, we hear it full circle. We watch YouTube videos all the time. So yeah. I mean, I tell so many people, I'm like, if you have nothing to do, make YouTube videos, make videos on how to play guitar, make hair videos, make makeup videos. I mean, there's make videos, but you know, the ones my daughter is obsessed with. I have a two and a half year old Uh daughter are these ones where people are literally just opening toys. Yeah, that's my lady makes $1.8 million a day, according to Forbes. Just making these toys. Just unwrapping toys. It's stupid. It's crazy. I mean, these are some of the top viewed YouTube videos is just unwrapping toys. So why aren't you guys doing that right now? Yeah, I think we're in the wrong Uh, business. (laughs) I need an intern to bring a toy. (laughs) But I mean, okay, so 2013, you're eating grilled cheese sandwiches. Man, you said something for a second that I think we could almost do an entire podcast on of just literally learn how to budget well. Yes. So many artists. We literally had, we did the Dave Ramsey plan and we had envelopes for groceries, for bills, for date night. If we had any money left over from the week, we would add it to our date night envelope. I feel like that season for us was the most like focused we've ever been in like every area of our life. And it prepared us for the future. It prepared us like for what we're doing now, you know, and how we're like, we have a full team now that does all of that. But at the same time, you know, we had to learn it first and it was good for us. It's all about the process. You know, it's all about the journey. And I wouldn't take those days back for the world because it made us who we are and it, made us you know better at our gifts and the things that we do and so it was really sweet season and hopefully we won't have to go back to that season but (laughs) i doubt you will you guys have learned a lot since then so was oceans the second video that you guys did Mm -hmm. and how did you like discover that that was the song you wanted to do was it i just liked it (laughs) i think i just listened to a lot of music and that one just stuck out to me and it was pretty easy to learn and I love, you know, Taya's voice. I feel like, you know, her voice is in that similar kind of tone as mine. And so I just did it for fun. And most of the songs that I did, it was just because I liked them or we would even, we've done like Hillsong young and free songs and we would strip them down to just piano, you know, and do kind of like my own version of it and kind of simplify some but I guess there was a strategy in a sense, but then the other sense there wasn't a I strategy. I think that became a strategy. The strategy was to put our Sarah Reeves spin on it. Like we wouldn't hear the song and then there'd be a lick in it. And we're like, okay, we're going to mimic that lick. We're going to copy them to a T and just do whatever the original tracks did. And it was more like, okay, if this is what already exists in the world, how can we be creative and different and not like over complicated? But I mean, we tried things with a little more in the tracks. We, went into fields and shot videos. I mean, we tried things. It wasn't always in the wall. It was more, there's something 
about just like not doing the obvious thing. The obvious thing is to be like, oh, this song's a mega hit. I'm going to copy it to a T because that's the thing. And I always tell people, even if I gave someone every strategy and told them the day in and day out of what we did, they might not have the same success or results as us because they're not us. And I think so many times people go, oh, they did that. I can do X, Y, and Z and get the same results. And for us, it was just like, hey, there became a strategy in the sense of like, oh, this song just peaked at the charts and let's do it. Let's try to jump on it. Or we knew Hillsong was going to come out. So we'd try to listen to the Hillsong record and just guess what people were going to gravitate to. And sometimes there was obvious and sometimes there's not the obvious. But the cool thing about YouTube, again, going back to it, if you have any like technical questions or any of that stuff, I mean, we don't have to keep rambling about. But the cool thing is, like, for instance, Take Me to the King a girl sings it on American Idol and all of a sudden you open up. I used to check TuneCore on the daily because it does projected sales and I would have to be like, okay, are we going to be able to pay the bills this month? Like, what's the low, what's the lowdown? And, you know, you'd open it and all of a sudden you'd see a spike where it's like 2,500 sales for the day and you're like, okay, what happened? Let's figure out. And then you'd search Take Me to the King, for instance. And a girl sings it on American Idol and everyone goes and searches Take Me to the King. Well, it's Tamla Man's and then ours. But since ours was a different flavor of the original, we sold a bunch of copies and sat on the charts for a couple of days and then goes away. And then like, you never know what a song is going to do or what someone else is going to do with the song. And then when the girl passed away in Orlando, there was an artist. She had a song that everyone loved. And again, I'm getting calls from our label going, yo, and Christ alone sitting at blank on the charts. What's happening? I'm like, I don't know. And then you have to go back and kind of figure out why. But it's like, there's a sense. And if you just are consistent with something and put out stuff, like you never know what's going to happen. You never know what someone else is thinking. You never know how someone else can help you. But if it sits in the world, then you have a chance to do something. If you just sit at home and you're waiting there's nothing that could happen then, you know. So part of the strategy in and of itself is just consistency, yep. just being consistent. Can you talk about what some other parts of the strategy became over time? I mean, consistency is the biggest one. So YouTube is very secretive of, they don't give you a whole lot. It's like, they just make it seem like, hey, we're a social media platform and there's no strategy behind it, but they actually have a lot. So there was a point, probably a year and a half in, we get contacted from YouTube and they're like, Hey, we're doing this pop-up thing in Nashville. Do you want to come? And I'm like, sure. And it was like a two day and it was just classes. Like for you guys to play at or literally no, like a workshop? literally a workshop. It's just amazing. like welcome behind the curtain of YouTube. And they tell you how everything works. So then after that, there was a little bit more strategy because we had tools and we knew, Hey, so basically the YouTube algorithm works in a sense of, consistent upload they want you to upload every two weeks so that's when we're like all right we're doing it every week we're gonna we were so brave we even put it on headers of like every friday or no sunday we did videos on sundays we're like every sunday new videos coming which was pretty crazy because it took four or five days to actually make the video and get it all to where you could so if we weren't like on top of it or sick or something happened or schedule it was like tagging actually I'm going to go ahead and let the secret out. Tagging means nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did tag everything because we thought it meant something. And so we'd tag. So basically consistent upload. And then if you put your lyrics, we actually don't do this. I should be, do a better job. But if you put your lyrics in your description section 
of YouTube because people will search lyrics and they'll ask it so your video could get caught in Google. And is YouTube also looking in the search results? Like if someone types in lyrics in the search results on YouTube, will typing in the lyrics on the description cause that video to show up? I actually don't know. I've never asked that question. I do know it's consistency to get picked up and then audience retention. So literally if you are putting out a video every week or every two weeks, like you said, YouTube, no matter what your view count is or, or other factors not considered, just because of the consistency, YouTube factors that into ranking you higher on their search results. On their search, yeah, on their search results. And it's audience retention is another big part. So if we both put out the same video and I have a 90% audience retention rate and you have a 30% attention rate and we're both uploading consistency, then I'm going to be boosted above you. And retention rate just means when people start a video, how many of them keep watching throughout? Correct. Where do they bell on the video? Do they bell? And YouTube is great because you can actually go in and look at all that. So if we make a video we think is like, oh, it's going to be amazing. And then we go in and it spikes. And then at 15 seconds, everyone bells out and then just stays. And you're like, okay, well, we need to change up the next video, which... Do you go back and like redo songs and videos because of that? Or is it like, hey, we'll apply what we learned on that to the next we apply. We never go back and redo. I don't think I ever redid one. Well, because you would lose all the views and yeah. all the stats they already have from that. Totally. But most music stuff, no one ever. I mean, we held like a eighty to ninety percent retention rate. Where it gets interesting is like vlogging or talking videos. Like even now, we have a video that is musical intro for 30 seconds, and then Sarah starts talking. And as soon as Sarah starts talking, everyone bells, and you're like, okay, why does like it doesn't mean what Sarah has to say is bad or doesn't mean people aren't interested. Does not mean we've built a following that they only want music? And so because there's vlogging out there, vlogging is one of the biggest things that YouTube will tell you to do, but why will they tell you to do it? If this has a low retention rate? Well, no, it might not. If you are a vlogger, you might not have a lower retention rate because I'm saying, I think for us, we built like, Hey, here's all these music videos. So that's what our subscribers want from us is give us the music. We didn't build a platform of like, hey, I'm going to show you when I brush my teeth. I'm going to show you what I pour for breakfast, which people do that in the They tell you to vlog, though, because it is 100% your content. So monetization is 100% yours. There's no, basically, on a cover video, if we really want to get super technical so people understand. Yeah, go there real quick. <laughs> you make most of your money on YouTube being a cover artist by buying the mechanical license and uploading to iTunes. Because... YouTube has a thing and I don't fully understand this because I need to learn more about it now that we're actually an artist, but or signed, I guess I should say is YouTube views the master as which the master to people. If you don't know, means like a label pays Seth to produce a song. So the label owns the master because they're the ones that financed it. And the master is the audio. Yeah. The audio track. So if an artist does a song let's just say chris tomlin does how great is our god and he's the first one to put it up on youtube he will then be the master holder for youtube whereas in nashville or in the music industry if he does it then they own chris tomlin's master and then if we do a version we own our master and you pay all the royalties out but youtube views it as the master is the original artist that put it out first which is interesting but that's the way YouTube works. So then what YouTube says is for every dollar that comes in on a cover song, YouTube keeps 50% of the marketing. So they keep 50 cents for YouTube for giving you a platform. And then they say 20 cents goes to the master, 
20 cents goes to publishing and then we'll give you 10 cents for your version of the song basically so you're not making a ton of money where you can start to make money being a cover artist is you can get ad partners and you can cut youtube out of the whole equation where but you have to have a minimum of 50,000 subscribers to do that. So 50,000 subscribers, then you can go find an ad agency. And you guys have over 50,000. So do you guys have ad partners? No, because just like YouTube secrecy, ad agencies are even more secret and YouTube will not connect you with them because they don't want to be cut out of the equation. So, so you essentially need ad partners at this point. Uh, or yeah. are you not, are you not maybe looking? For- no, I'm looking for an ad partner because then like, Kim Kardashian makes $140 million a year just off her YouTube and Instagram accounts because when you have 50,000 to 250,000 subscribers on YouTube, then they say you can get $5,000 to $25,000 per video with an ad. If you have 250,000 plus and you can get 25,000 on up to millions per video of just like, here's a three second Walmart clip, here's Pepsi, here's a Pepsi can in your video, like whatever you work out with that partner is where the real money comes in. But, you know, I've been looking for an ad agency. So if anyone out there knows, uh, you may give me my email. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. So 2013 was kind of the turning point year. You you said that was your grilled cheese year. Um, How long did doing this take before you started getting those booking calls and selling songs on iTunes and people were searching for your stuff to the point where you were actually like making a living off of it. I mean, we started getting booking calls in like a month or two. booking happened really fast. Because pastors, one thing that's interesting that we learned is like pastors, when they study, don't go to iTunes. They don't make playlists. They just, because YouTube will kick a next video up automatically with whatever you're doing. So if you are listening to a worship song, they'll keep trying to put worship songs in your playlist. So for us, since we had, now we have 50 videos out, we end up in a lot of multiple times in a person's playlist, but a pastor will go in and study. Cause I would always ask him like, how did you hear about it? And like, Oh, I was studying and I just had YouTube playing in the background and your song started playing. I'm like, Oh, who's that voice? And then they have contact is, and I always be super last minute, which this is the God factor. We'd be down to, pennies trying to figure out how we're paying our bills and then it'd be like oh our worship pastor's sick on sunday and it's a thursday and they're like can you come lead worship on sunday and it's like sure we have nothing else to do let's get in the car and go well that's amazing i i I didn't expect that to be the answer that but that's the reality of youtube and the power of it is that it can be virtually instantaneous and the other thing is quantity so on average we would sell 100 songs a day so then you start doing the multiplication of that. And then if you get a bigger song, so if you have 40 videos that you're selling 100 songs a day on, then you can go. And then the great thing is it's self-sustaining because once it exists in the world, I mean, we haven't put a video out in, well, Not we started putting video. videos out now that we are with a label, but for the year and a half in between when we knew we were going to sign, we're like, okay, we're going to try to divert out of the cover artist thing and go back into artistry. I mean, we didn't upload a video and we were still making the same amount of money off of like, it it just now started dipping where it's like, okay, sales are down. But for the longest time for a year, over a year, it was like consistently the same money and there was no new content. So then it could have been even more if we were still cranking out videos, you know? So, but it was enough money to, live off of and do pretty we well made more money off of youtube than me working 40 hours a week and her working 40 hours a week so that's that unbelievable is, that is beautiful yeah <laughs> it's crazy yeah so 
fast forward to today, you being on a label now, does that kind of change the strategy with what you're doing or are you guys kind of just stay the course? You just have a partner now. You know, obviously as a human, you evolve and what I like, my tastes and all those things kind of evolve and grow. And I have I've definitely gotten back in the world of like writing my own songs. You know, I love writing for other artists as well, which is actually how I ended up signing was I was songwriting for other artists and I met with Word and I asked them, you know, who do you have that I can write for? And they're like, well, we actually want to hear your music. And so, which is how the whole, like my artistry kind of became again, you know, back again. And so now I'm trying to kind of transition my channel, still utilize YouTube, but as I'm working on my own project, you know, I kind of want to come out of the cover world and do more of my own stuff and, you know, the stuff that I enjoy, the stuff that I'm writing. And I think that's just the season that I'm in right now. You know, I'm not going to be a cover artist forever. (laughs) Do you think that cover songs will still, even though probably more low key in the future, do you think that they'll still be a part of your strategy or do you think you're going to kind of leave that behind altogether? Should I let the cat out of the bag? Mm -mm. I kind of already did one though. Okay. Yeah, you can. So a part of our strategy now is we're doing what we're calling well, it's not going to, we thought we were doing a 10 song record. So we're going to do a 10 artist, 10 covers and basically ask other artists to do their version of our song. So we did one with David Crowder or Crowder, I guess is his artist name. So we did one with Crowder and we just said, Hey, on nowhere, put your spin on it. And then Sarah will sing. So it's now more like, Hey, we used to cover your songs, but peer to peer, we're doing my song and it's your version of my song. So part of our YouTube strategy is still kind of doing covers, but with a spin on it that's like, so other artists covering your songs yeah. and, and that's the record? No, no, no. That's or not the record. That's just YouTube strategy. strategy. Gotcha. No, no, no. Yeah. No, that I'm will making not be the record. obviously my own version of all of these songs and which expected release is probably January, February. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Taking a long time. <laughs> Inside joke. I'm very sorry. But as I release my own songs, you know, I do want to still, like I said, utilize my YouTube channel and still kind of utilize the cover thing, but maybe just put a different spin on it. And I think I'll still do covers too because I love other songs. You know, and I still do my own versions of them live. You know, I lead worship. That's part of what I do. And so I do other people's songs all the time. And so I'm sure we'll do more in the future as well. How do you go get a person like Crowder to do a cover? First of all, to just, these guys are so busy. Like, how do you get him incentivized? Well, you guys are on tour together, right? Exactly. (laughs) And I'm not afraid to ask any questions. So we were hanging out on the bus and I was like, He's like, man, I love Sarah. Is there anything I can do? I was like, actually, yes. <laughs> I have zero shame in life. And so I was just like, hey, man, we're kicking around the idea of doing this. He's like, totally. And so it's basically we're on Winter Jam and you have a whole lot of time to kill while they're setting up the stage in the arena. And so during the day, we just took a couple, it took about a whole day just because there were so many parts to his thing. It wasn't just like, simplistic and he had to learn and they did their own arrangements. So. Well, we originally just asked him Oh yeah, and he was just going to do like a guitar thing and I was just going to sing along and he's like, oh, what if we got the band to do it? And you know, well, his personality is... It was like, what if we got this person? Oh, what if we got this person too? What if we got this person? And so then it, it turns into the whole crowd. It turned band. out to be his whole band. But I would always do that song. So we were on Winter Jam for three months and I would always do Nowhere at the offering time, which was right before his set. So it was kind of like it led into Crowder's set. And so it just felt like a good fit for him to collaborate with me on that. 
And it was awesome. Did you have to get, I mean, because a lot of our listeners and viewers out there maybe don't even know what goes into getting a feature or a collaboration on a song, but it's not an easy thing to do when you're dealing with major labels. Because, and I used to not understand it, but now that we own our own label and we're investing lots of money and resources and time and relationships into it, I understand the thought process. Mm -hmm. The thought process for most labels is why would I let my artist feature on another artist's record and especially have their songs singled that they're singing. That's kind of like yeah. a no-no, at least I, in Christian music. I wish it would change and just everyone be on the same team. And if an, artist wants to to, if an artist wants to do something with another artist, that the labels, that there's not the territory that we have. But it was a bit of a process. I mean, everyone was gracious that was involved, but it was just like a lot of questions were being asked. What are you doing with the video? What's the purpose? Does it make sense for David to be attached to it? There was... And again, everyone was gracious. It was just, I wouldn't say it was hard. It just was a lot of conversations and a lot of time. And it took a couple of weeks to really have everyone sign off on it that needed to sign off on it, which. Well, and just back to what you were saying, I think, you know, one of our goals in this whole thing is just to bring everybody together. Like it's not about my music. It's about just like, let's break down the walls of like this like we're in Christian music. (laughs) Like we are singing about, we all have one goal, one purpose in mind, and that is to lead people to Jesus through the gifts and the talents that, you know, he's given us. And so I think we have these like walls in this industry and there's labels and just kind of different divisions that not many people realize that are there. And there's more competition than we realize. And it's like, if we're all on the same team and we all have the same purpose in mind, like it's actually not about us. And so I just want to bring everybody together and I want to help other artists out. You know, I songwrite for other artists all the time and I want to champion them. And I think the more I see that happening more and more in this city in Nashville and in the industry in general, and it makes me excited. And I feel like God uses that, you know, when artists come together that all kind of have their own thing, but we realize that, oh, we're actually on the same team and we're all friends and we all want to help each other out, you know, and I want people to be featured on my album and I want to feature on their album and let's just do this thing and have fun with it, you know, and just break down the walls of the labels and the competition and all that stuff. It's just, I'm sorry. I'm going to take her soapbox away. No, I I, I love it. I think it's a great soapbox to stand on. And it's one that I feel like the Christian music industry probably could learn a thing or two from pop about because pop has been there for years. Yeah. Hip hop, yeah. R and B, there's feature. Everybody's featured mm-hmm. on everybody's record. Yeah, yeah. gospel. The business, yeah, the gospel genre, the business of it, you can figure out. Like, yeah. give them a point or give them mm-hmm. two points or whatever the deal is. Yeah. Like, you can figure that out. But you're totally right. I'm a little frustrated with that personally. It, I mean, we've ran into it. We've asked a lot of artists to do not a lot. We've asked a few other artists, and it just gets complicated and I, it's fear based. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Well, it's, it's just financials. I mean, because yeah. their own, you know, capital's owned by a major word, used to be owned by a major, Providence owned by a major. So they're answering to people that have nothing yeah. to do with Christian music. Totally. And mm-hmm. it's really just money because every Crowder thing that he's featured on that's not in the capital world, they're not making any money for that. Right. Yeah. So it's all money. Driven. And he's built a brand that their stance could be, Hey, you're using us to get somewhere. And it's, it just gets sticky, but I do want to go back and you asked if the strategy was going to change now that with the label. And I want to say this, cause I think it's important is when we decided to do what we did, we made a list of rules. 
that we were going to be. And our roles was put God first, work hard and be generous. And I think that will always be the core of our strategy is we're always going to put God first in everything that we do. And we're always going to work really hard. Even with the team, we still work really hard and our team works really hard. And I think it drives our team to work harder because we're not just sitting around expecting people to do. And then we're always going to be generous with the people, with our label, with any of our partners, any of the people we, that is the core of how we want to operate. And that was when we started this whole thing in 2013, it was like, okay, what do we want to be known for? These are the three things that we want to be known for. And I think that's partly why it all has maybe played out the way that it has. Cause it wasn't, okay, I'm going to do YouTube because I want to be an artist and be famous. It was like, Hey, God's given me a gift. There's people out there. Let's see what happens. And these are the three rules that we're going to abide by. It's good. Well, as this is a part of our full circle music show, music marketing series, I'm sure our in-house marketing guru, Logan has a few things that he wants to cover too. While we've got the genius of Philip and kind in the house. You're very kind. So first of all, man, thank you so much for making the time to oh, do this today. Thank you guys. This is so fun. Yeah, it's awesome. This so, is our first interview together. Really? Yes. You should do more of it. I know. I love, wants to talk to me. I love when he talks because he is so smart. I, and, I agree. Like, he does everything behind the scenes and I love that he's in this. And you're too kind. <laughs> and you're, you're the official role is you're the manager, right? Yeah. Official role. And then I also play keys. I wear a lot of fats right now. <laughs> he makes it all happen. I'm the husband manager you don't you don't sound like one of those people that says oh that's not my job i don't do that no my dad the how i was raised man i'm i was homeschooled so my parents would always be even if i didn't know a word my mom would never tell me the meaning she's like go look it up in the dictionary or you know if i didn't know how to do something my parents wouldn't that's so funny even to think about because just like <laughs> just <laughs> right? don't look it up in the dictionary okay Dude, we had, it. that's we, amazing we yeah. had like the whole like bookshelf with like i don't even know the well yeah and... the encyclopedias but all of it where the person knocks on your door and sells it to you and you have the whole massive bookshelf but yeah i think it's just how it was raised where it was like a figured out mentality not a wait for it to happen i mean you know, I asked for an allowance and my dad comes home with a lawnmower and a trailer that he made to put behind my bike. And he's like, there you go. So, uh, that was my allowance. I love it. Well, I'm going to hand the mic out to Logan. Logan. I'm sure he's got all kinds of questions. Actually, we covered most of what I wanted to get through. I do want to say to our listeners, a lot of the videos that we've referenced in this podcast, as well as, I mean, just your channel in general, we'll go ahead and make sure that that's under the show notes on our website. So that way, anyone interested, video, of course, is a very visual thing to talk about. And this is primarily an audio podcast. So to give you guys the proper references, I will make sure to include links so that way you guys can actually see some of these things and the cool backsplash that was built. All fun <laughs> can, stuff like that. If you ever want to have some fun, just go read all the comments of the oceans because we put candles on the walls and everyone's like, oh, you're part of the Illuminati. Now. I'm like, no, we just put decorative candles in our video. <laughs> oh my goodness. Really just one other thing that I wanted to ask, which, you know, we're always trying to keep our listeners in mind. We've heard your story and how it's worked out really well for you. And like you said, you know, other people could literally do verbatim the exact same strategy that you do. And it doesn't mean that it's going to work out for them in the same way. But that said, you mentioned that a lot of people come to you and ask you for YouTube advice, but just directly to the people who are listening to this podcast, a lot of them are probably listening to this because they saw that this 
podcast deals with YouTube. So what would you just flat out say directly to them, talking to them? Like, what are just some action steps that they can take right away if they want to go out and start a YouTube channel and start just using in some capacity to further what they're doing in music? Yeah, I always tell people the first thing, and this is going to sound maybe a little weird, is that we're Americans and you have to remember that there's a whole world out there. So what we think is top level quality in America to a kid in Africa who's on a dirt floor is not like an iPhone video where we look down upon that. A kid that's in another foreign country that doesn't have all the the glitz and the glamour to them, they're going to be like, oh, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Because for us, like one of the cool things that I think is just mind blowing is that our videos have been played at least one time in every country in the world. And so when you put that in perspective, you go, okay. Antarctica? <laughs> yeah, everywhere. I can show you the whole thing. I can show wow. you the whole list. Every of, country. Every country. Yeah. I can I have, it. I have statistics to back it. Our biggest market is what, Indonesia or something? Yeah, Indonesia. That's amazing. So the first so thing have is... Have you toured there? No, I would love you to. You probably should go do that. I, I would, you I mean, you I have some to. fans that would probably <laughs> love to see you I get a lot of messages that are just different languages. And I'm like, I don't have a clue Google, what they're saying. Uh, so maybe Google, I've Google had translate. invitations. But <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone's inviting us. So that's the first thing. So with that being said, I, I always set it there because then it lowers... Not to say you have to do poor quality stuff, but it then relieves the pressure because I think as Americans, we put so much pressure on like, oh, I've got to buy the right lighting rig. I got to buy the most expensive camera. I've got to buy the most expensive. I got to hire all these people. I got to hire a photographer versus just going, okay, even if you do have an iPhone, you can now record. There's garage bands on iPhones. You can actually record on your iPhone if you really get bare. So I just would say, keep it simple and just make it visually appealing meaning I would pre-record the audio. We always pre, I'll let the secret out of the bag. We pre-record the audio and Sarah lip syncs. So she's not singing any of them live, even though everyone thinks she is. <laughs> you have permission to do that. It is. It's pre-recorded. So, cause then it gets it right. And it helps just with the quality of, you want someone to want to be able to listen to it and then watch it. So if it is just one camera angle, then you're like bored out. If it's maybe two camera angles or maybe some B-roll of you playing keys or guitar, I mean, you know. So I just always tell people, hey, look at what you have and figure it out. There's YouTube. I mean, I use YouTube for everything. When I go to the DMV and they say, hey, this code kicks back, I'm like, what is that code? Go to YouTube and someone has a video of (laughs) what that code is, you know. So if you have an iPhone, you can literally, I think iPhones recording 4K now if you flip them sideways. And it shoots in HD. So you can literally, if you pre-record the audio, then you can move your iPhone. You can buy tripods for your iPhones. And then, you know, there's a 30-day trial for Final Cut Pro that you yeah. can use that has multi-cam editing. And you can watch videos on YouTube of how to multi-cam edit. And that's what we did, honestly. I got the trial, watched the video on how to multi-cam edit. And it's super easy, honestly. Like, not to downplay it, but if you... I mean, so many people are intimidated, but multicam editing and I actually taught Sarah how to do it because she's a perfectionist and you want to go in and make sure every little yes. cut's right. So well, I actually edit all the, and that's all part, the video. Yeah. And that's <laughs> part of I will say that's part of it is one thing that we wanted to do was make people when you visually watch it, make it people think it's live. So we set up a microphone and set up a keyboard and it wasn't to 
trick people, I guess. But so like if Sarah's looking this way in a camera angle and then the next one she's like this, we wouldn't cut to that angle. It would and Sarah was good about like knowing how she moved her head or what she did during the video, which made it a little easier. So I think if you shoot it, just make sure when you're editing, like and sometimes you can't do it because it's just the nature of, you know, you're not going to be able to mimic something in the same way when you shoot it six or seven times. But we So you like getting the hair flipped down. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it, it was more about my eyes, if that makes so sense. So you're like, like looking like a certain way. If my way eyes then... were closed, I would make sure the next, you know, angle that I go to was my eyes were closed. Or if they were open or if I was looking in this direction, I would just find different. We would do like maybe six or seven takes. I was about to say how we did it all. Break it down. Different angles. One video per take. No, so one we camera would per take. pre-record the audio. Then we bought a little speaker. I would play back the audio and we would do two shots. So if we did a wide shot, we'd do two takes of the wide shot. So we had two different wide shots to choose from. And if we made a side angle, we would do two run-throughs of the side angle two run throughs that we so we did twice of every so you have doubles and then we would do the hands and then we do b-roll stuff of just her to playing. where if there wasn't an angle where i was i mean i was doing all kinds of different things then i would just shoot to the hands and then i would go yeah. to the face so that's brilliant i think yeah. i just learned something on that <laughs> so do you just lay them out all six of them in final cut and just yeah. chop between them then? no so in final cut pro there you have to select everything so you select the audio you select all the camera angles you want and so basically your camera's and taking the audio. So then what happens in multicam, you right click on the, once you select all the clips and audio that you want to use, you right click on it and just hit new multicam clip. And it takes about five minutes and it syncs it all together. And then it gives you one clip basically that you drag down in and then you're able to go just pinpoint. So then it opens up all six angles that are in that one little thing and you just go, okay, now I want this angle and then I click and you can go back and maneuver it and, super easy and the only reason why we did so many takes was because we only had one camera <laughs> if you have two or three cameras yeah. then you don't have to do that many and then you're actually doing the same thing in all three you takes, just you, you know? just want so, we just only so had one at the like, time that's all we had yeah a lot of people do one you know professional camera and then they have like a couple iPhones and you know horizontal HD that they set on a tripod and it doesn't look that much different and you can kind of edit the lighting and the you know final cut yeah and to make it kind of match up with the yeah pro one. and that's an easier way to do it we just did it the hard way <laughs> well it wasn't a hard way we just did it the way that my back yeah. was killing me by the end of every video <laughs> oh, i was like yeah. i don't want to sit here anymore <laughs> yeah so, i mean but yeah. again to go back that's what i always tell people and then like we helped a girl that was on american idol she didn't make it all the way so i think she like ended in top 50 she made it to vegas whatever that round is and we helped her do the YouTube thing. And I mean, again, you never know who's listening. We did a cover of an Imagine Dragons song that was super different than the Imagine Dragons version. And then I get a call and they're like, hey, this TV show wants to use our version of it. And it's just like, you never, ever, 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 ever. I cannot stress that enough. Who's wow. watching So what, what happens when a TV, I mean, this is a total sidebar, but just my curiosity, do you have to like, pay YouTube to license it? Or do you no, just No, like take since the audio is pre-recorded, then it's our master. So it would just be like... So they wanted to use your version of the audio. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Which Not is the video, super just cool. the, our version of the audio. And the, they wanted instrumental and vocals and all that stuff yeah. for some TV show. I don't remember the TV yeah. show. Yeah, and the only reason why we 
did it the way we did it as far as like pre-recording it was so that we could sell that yeah. the songs on iTunes. Like not everybody is going to do the whole like, oh, I'm going to upload a video and then I'm going to sell it on iTunes. It's a lot of work to do that. But if you just want to start with YouTube, then just do it live in a room and don't worry about doing the pre-recording and then uploading to TuneCore and all that stuff. That's a good way to start. Yeah, we're we just, trying to pay yeah. bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally, totally. <laughs> we, we didn't live with mom and dad. It's and... a lot. I mean, we had to buy the mechanical license. Yeah, we had to well, know all quick, the... Well, real quick too, just, I mean, valuable. You've given so much valuable stuff that people can do like ASAP, like no excuses. How mm-hmm. do you go get a mechanical license? Because so, a lot of people are like maybe don't even know what a mechanical license is. And they will come asking for them. (laughs) Could we explain what a mechanical is real quick? Well, a mechanical license, I should probably know the textbook definition because I actually don't know the textbook definition. Mechanical license is essentially what... You're paying the royalties on the song. So you're making sure this... Not the audio portion of it. Yeah, not the master. You're paying the songwriters and the publishers. So it's basically nine cents. So you're making sure the royalties get paid out to the publishers and the songwriters. So when you go record Take Me to the King, you need to pay a mechanical license for each song that sells to whoever that writer was. Which for all of you that maybe don't understand what I'm saying is every song that you buy on iTunes, nine cents, four and a half cents of that goes to whoever the publisher is four and a half cents goes to the songwriters. And if there's three songwriters and the four and a half cents gets split down between the songwriters. So just when you buy songs, your 99 cents goes multiple places. It doesn't go one, one bank account. Well, and what's really cool about that, because a lot of people don't realize it makes sense. A lot of people see YouTube cover videos and they're like, oh, you can cover whatever you want on YouTube. But what a lot of people don't realize with your strategy is not only can you make a cover of essentially whatever you want and put it on YouTube, but you can make a cover no matter what level you are as an artist or a music maker, you can make pretty much as long as it's already released, you can make any cover of any song out there at all and you can go and sell that. You can record it and you can go sell it. You Mm -hmm. do owe the mechanical license or the mechanical royalties, but you're allowed to literally do whatever you Mm -hmm. want effectively. um, Yeah, the only thing is, because this has happened, I've been helping another country deal out right now and if you don't have a covered deal done with YouTube, which I don't know, there was never like a time where YouTube said, Hey, we're going to do a cover deal. They just all of a sudden said, is this your, when we went to monetize the video, I said, is this your cover of a song? But what people will do is if you put up a cover, cause I can hit monetize on any of our videos because it, we have a cover rev share deal done with YouTube. But if you just go upload the same video, but don't have that deal done, hit monetize, then that artist can claim copyright infringement and have the video taken down, which is, I never understand that because I'm like, why do you not want multiple versions of your songs in the world? Well, and and, and that's a different strategy too because I've even, you know, again, pulling back the curtain on our label side of things, we have one of our artists, Matt Hammett, that was one of the things that we explored is like, and there's a whole term for it that's UGC, user-generated content, yep. which is essentially somebody else could make a cover of one of your songs and put it over top of an anime video yep. or whatever, you know, or take the audio and put it over top of that. Now, for some labels and some music makers, they want to control the image, the quality that's associated with every YouTube video. But then the other argument is that, hey, we want this song to be out on a thousand different versions. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't want nowhere being played behind a school fight and our kid getting bullied. So I think that's the stuff they try to control is like, what is your brand associated with? It's just more brand awareness. But to answer your question on how to basically now there used to be third party websites that you could go to. So 
basically now you have to go to the publishing website. So if it's Capital, you have to go to Capital Music. I don't even know the exact website, but you have to go to the Capital Publishing website. You have to type in the song, how many you think you're going to sell. They charge you a fee. They charge you the nine cents. If you do a hundred songs times nine cents is $9. And then they'll charge you admin fee of like $25. And then that's basically how you do it. I use a third party. So we'd always have to get our license. So anytime we uploaded video, the publishers would always go, yo, you're selling this on iTunes. You got to, where's your license? And we'd have to submit it. And it was all fine. But I mean, you have to have mechanical license, even if you make a record. So knowing what you know now to the person starting out, what's the best way for them, if they want to record a cover of a song to get a mechanical license? To Google, you have to Google the song and who the publisher is. Oh, well, who the admin publisher is. So there will always say, because there's every writer has a publisher that collects, but there'll always be a publisher with the, in parentheses, it'll say admin. And so if it's capital or universal, you have to go to the admin website and gain the license that way. Well, that's fascinating. Amazing. I feel like I've learned a ton. You're too kind. Not only in our conversation on the plane, but you being here today. Thank you so much. I know you guys are crazy busy. Is there anything that you want to, while you've got you know our captive audience, <laughs> anything you'd want to leave them with? I mean, I think I... You know, when you asked that earlier, like what was what's one thing that you would say? I would just echo what Philip said: is just you know, be faithful f- with what you have in front of you, even if it's small. You know, just use the resources that you have and have faith in yourself. And you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, and don't be afraid to just put yourself out there. And you know, maybe fail a couple times because it'll help you become better. And I think just be yourself. And even if you want to do the cover thing, you know, just make it your own, you know, have fun with it and never take it too seriously. You know, life is too short to put too much pressure on yourself, (laughs) but just have fun with it and just know that there's a bigger purpose in all of it. And that's ultimately to just, you know, do what God's called you to do. And if it's in the Christian world, then to lead people to Jesus through it. And I think, you know, with covers, it not only helps you, but it actually helps the artist too, because it, it brings awareness of that song, you know? And so give it everything that you've got and have fun. I would just say never give up. And I think one thing I've learned in life is when I look back, I'm still very young, I know, but I think one thing when I look back on my short life is there's been seasons where it feels like nothing's clicking and nothing's making sense and nothing's breaking and nothing feels like you're just pounding a brick wall and pounding a brick wall. And then all of a sudden it's like, you just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And then there's a one small thing that breaks the dam wide open. And it's like, Oh, but you know, sometimes people give up. It's like, if there's opposition then they just go, Oh, well, I'm not meant to do it. And it's like, yeah, I think you just have to ask God what he has for you and what you feel like he wants you to do and the purpose that he, and then if he says it, do it and don't give up. And I think so many times in our life, in the 10 years that we've been doing this together is there's been moments where it's like, I mean, if you want to say give up, give up, you know, there was times when we were just like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I used to, in 2013, I mean, I used to pace our road just in the middle of the night going, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand. And you can start to look and go, well, this person does something and this person does something and this person is here and I should be here and I should be there. And it's like, 
no, you have a lane, you have a road, you have a story that you're supposed to tell the world and your story is going to be different than what somebody else's story is. Your story is different than my story, but that means if you gave up, then you wouldn't have what you're offering the world. There's so many times when people could have said, oh, this is a terrible song. Oh, your production is not good enough. And you could have taken that in and went, yep, I'm not supposed to do that versus just going, no, actually, I'm going to take it in and I'm going to keep going because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. And I think that's, for us, it's just we've been resilient and we've never given up even with obstacles. So I would say never give up. Yeah, and to know that it's not always going to be in the big wide open door that's in front of us, but God, especially in, in our life, God has always been in the random window in the back corner of the house, like the most random, obscure ways, like that's how God has worked in our life. And so even if whatever you're looking at in the moment, like it doesn't happen the way that you want it to, or maybe there's a big disappointment that just happened in your life. It could actually be God's protection over you. And that's what I learned. There were so many things that we thought, oh, this is it, you know, oh, this is the next label we're going to sign to. And then, you know, we would go in to walk through the door and it would just slam in our faces and we would be so bummed and we'd be so disappointed. And we're like, man, we did all that hard work for nothing. But then little did we know it, you know, like a few months later, like something would break and it would be just through a random video or a random something that we did two years ago. You know, even still, God has done things through my YouTube channel and just through random things that we've done. And it's been amazing. So don't, you know, be discouraged when doors slam in your face because that might not be the way that God wants to. I always tell people it's like you're driving down the road and you're on the interstate and then something just catches your eyes. It's like, oh, that's a cool looking leaf. I'm just going to drive over here and stare at the leaf. And then all of a sudden you like look behind the leaf and there's this road and you're like, oh, I'm going to go down this road. And then all of a sudden you just don't really know what you're doing. And then it opens up and you're like, oh my gosh, do people even know this is back here? And it's kind of our life. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for being yes. here today. Thanks for Thank having us. Guys. And real quick, before we close out, for our listeners, you know, if they want to go check out what you're doing as far as tour, new music that's being released or anything other than your YouTube channel, where should they go to find out more about you? Well, my website, sarahreevesmusic.com. You can just go there and it takes you to every social media site that I have, which I'm mainly on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all of that. But it's either under Sarah Reeves or Sarah Reeves Music. Handles, yes. <laughs> so, and I'm working on a new project now and I've got a couple singles. My recent release was Details that we just released in July. And then I've got some more things coming and then hopefully a full record release in the first of... 2018. 2018. <laughs> Top of 2018. Well, I, for one, am super excited about that. Thank and you. I will be one to buy it if I can still buy it by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you'll sell me one. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I've been here on the Full Circle Music Show. We're here with Philip Cothlow, Sarah Reeves. I'm Seth Mosley. This is Logan Crockett. Thanks for being with us. Hey, this is Seth Mosley, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamone. And today we've had Sarah Reeves and Philip, her husband and her manager, learned a ton about YouTube. I don't know about you, Logan, but I took so much out of that conversation. Oh my goodness. I mean, there's so many things that we need to apply now. There are. But in addition to that, of course, the independent artists and the songwriters and the worship leaders, everyone listening to this who has had 
a desire to really improve what they're doing on YouTube or start from ground zero. Hopefully they have a lot of really cool action steps that they can go ahead and implement and actually start turning this into something that will have a lot of benefits towards their career. And I do want to make sure that we announce, again, one week from today when we release the next episode of the Full Circle Music Show, this whole marketing series is going to kind of culminate in one really cool interview with a company called Samcart. And they are going to let you know so many valuable tricks towards actually selling music and actually making money with what you're doing as a musician that honestly... Most people in the industry, major labels, independent artists, pretty much everyone is not taking advantage of. It's made a huge, huge difference for what we're doing here as Full Circle Music. And the really exciting thing about that is that we are going to, through that podcast, be giving you guys tons and tons of free resources, some guides, some classes, some stuff that we've actually developed. We're really excited about that. So stay tuned for next week. It's going to blow your mind. It'll be the kind of season finale of this marketing series. I'm pumped. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you catch that. It's our conversation with Sam Cart, and we will see you back next week on another part of the music marketing series.